Welcome back to Presidents in Politics. I'm one of your hosts, Professor Caleb McGee, joined with my fellow co-host, uh, former Congressman Ross. Good morning. And uh, we were saying before the filming started, this is another challenging episode as we talk about the, yeah. the forgotten presidents. Yeah, and this one's a tragic president. He is. And, 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 and some of it's self-inflicted yes. and some of it's just circumstance. But, yes. you know, who knew about Franklin Pierce? Who knows anything about Franklin Pierce? Yes. Uh, but what I can tell you that had we not had a Franklin Pierce, we would probably never have had an Abraham Lincoln. That's outstanding. Yeah. Abraham Lincoln in many ways shines like he does because of the backdrop of the surrounding presidents. Yes. It's almost like when you take a diamond, you put it on black velvet, so it pops out more. Like right. Lincoln popped out because of the surrounding presidents, both that preceded him and that succeeded him. Yeah. You think about Johnson. Like Lincoln just stands out, which we have one more, <laughs> one yeah. more we get to Lincoln, which is going to be a fun one, right? But Franklin Pierce, we made this statement kind of joking, but it's true. His life is kind of like a country song played out. Like yes. he is a tragic, tragic figure, and he's an alcoholic, which, I mean, the life that he lived, it's. Yes. A charming man. Yes. Well, well, he was but, called the most handsome of presidents. Yeah, his, but but his, couldn't make a decision. No, his nickname was Handsome Frank. And I believe it's, I wrote this down because I found this super comical. Um, it was Truman. President Truman said of him, he was the best looking president until he took the White House. <laughs> <laughs> I remember my, when my wife and I did this, This uh, we were asked to do this like, Christmas pageant last minute, this Christmas uh, musical, like a week before it went on. Um, and, and, and acting is not my strong suit. I like going off the cuff. I hate scripts. And we were asked right. like this narration and stuff. And I dressed up as Joseph and she dressed up as Mary. And we did this whole thing. And it, it just, it was horrible. Like we got the <laughs> notes like basically two days before we went in to do this thing. And I'll never forget at the end of the, uh, the Christmas musical, this, this gentleman walked by my wife and, I, and he said, if nothing else... Y'all looked good. <laughs> and as I thought about the life of Franklin Pierce and specifically yeah. the presidency, maybe that's what would sum him up. If nothing else, he looked it, good. It, it, yeah. That's pretty and, much all he had going for him. You know, it's good that you made the illusion of doing something with your wife because I think Jane Pierce was, mm. was a significant influence on, um, on on Franklin's life, and yes. she had tragedy herself. Yes, and battle with depression greatly. Battle with depression. Their first uh, – uh, they lost a son at, at birth. They lost mm -hmm. another one uh, to typhus just early on, and then their third child they witnessed – Tragically. He had 11 years old. After he was after he was elected president and they're on a train – Yes, two months before he'll take the, the yes. inaugural oath. And it derails. They're okay, but she witnesses, along with him, the the, the tragic death of their 11-year-old son. Yes. And it was gruesome from what I understand. Yeah, we're not exactly sure what took place. Some historical sources say he was decapitated. Yeah. Some historical sources say that basically like the back of his skull was sheared off. Either way, it's a very gruesome, yeah. bloody death in front of his parents. And again, this is two months before he's going to take the oath and actually become president. And it affects the, the White House. It talks about the fact there was no inaugural ball. When no, there was no inaugural respect. She did not go to Washington. Mm -mm. She would not go to... She she was against, she was against him going to Washington she's when he PK. was a senator. She's a pastor's kid yeah. and doesn't like the idea of yeah. politics. She's a teetotaler and he's an alcoholic. So they it's have true. these these extreme differences that really come between their marriage a lot. Yeah. Um, in fact, Franklin Pierce, his religion, we really don't know about. Um, he, he's very vague, and I, I did find some letters that, that, I'll, that I'll read close to the end. But he kind of, because of her, he believes that in some ways God is judging him for not expressly saying that he's a Christian, and that's part of why he believes his son dies. It's really bad theology. Ooh. And this is one of the reasons why, I don't know if you've read this or not, but when he takes the oath of office, he's one of only two presidents who will not swear in on the Bible. I did not know that. He actually that. swears on a law book. 
I did not know that. And a lot of historians struggle with this. And some historians have said, well, it's because of the fact that he's not a believer. We're not sure in his own writings, it hints the fact that he almost believes that God is like angry at him because this is only two months after his son dies gruesomely and already lost two other children. So Mm. he's actually afraid that God is angry with him. And in some ways, some biographers have said out of respect, he swears on a law, but because he doesn't want to invoke the name of God when God is basically angry at him. Wow. So, and I found that so interesting because I remember... Throughout my, my life, there's been certain presidents, I won't name presidents, who they were unsure if they would swear on a Bible. Now, that's never happened before. Actually, it has happened before. And this was a president who did that. Interesting. And, and it, it also makes you wonder if that lack of faith, which we'll see it kind of grows later in his life, is one of the reasons why he was so uh, ineffective. Yeah, yeah. ambivalent, yes. Yeah, and ambivalent as a president. He didn't have anything to really to stand firm on. He didn't stand firm on anything. Well, it's interesting, just in his background, because I understand he took a commission uh, from General Winfield Scott yes. as a major general, yes. having no experience whatsoever in battle, and he sustains an injury when he falls off his horse. I mean, yes. he had an unremarkable military <laughs> yes. career. Yeah. Uh, he was an unremarkable politician, yes. although he was Speaker of the House of, of New Hampshire, I believe it was. Did serve in the United States Senate, but but resigned early because his wife wanted him back home yes. in Concord, and, yes. and that's what he did. And then, I guess it was on the 49th ballot at the convention that he's nominated for president. Yes. Um, and it's and, and what's really interesting is that as a northerner, He's pro-slavery. Yeah, he's very. He's he is a huge Southern sympathizer in every way. Although he's born in New Hampshire, which he's the only president ever born in New Hampshire. Yeah. Um, but I, I want to go to his military career. I like that you brought that up. Yeah, his first injury he sustains. He falls off his horse, but he hits the pommel on the way down, and it actually it hurts him so badly he blacks out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't really know how to touch that, honestly. Oh. But here he is, and he's like, he's riding with guys like uh, Old Fuss and Feathers. We have like Scott yes. there. Yeah. And these type of guys he's riding with, and he falls off the surface and he blacks out from the pain because he hit his leg on the saddle. Isn't that amazing, though, that the guy that gave him his commission is the guy that he beat yes. for president, General Winfield Scott? Who then Scott doesn't like him later, and Scott actually accuses him between the lines, because he didn't want to get sued for slander, between the lines of cowardice, because if you study the military career of Pierce, he always got injured right before a major battle. I did not know that. And later, Scott made the statement that the only hard-fought battle that Pierce ever had was with the bottle. I heard that, yeah, yeah. Amazing, yeah. amazing. So, uh, you, you know, and you wonder about this guy being president of the United States. At a time when, you know, when when slavery was really oh starting to boil over, the, the abolitionists, you know, you had the uh, the Kansas Nebraska oh, Act yes. this, this with John was, Brown. Yeah, this was his downfall. This was yes. one of the reasons for his downfall. Yes, is that the Kansas Nebraska Act is passed, which takes these two territories, which are not states, and they're they're bigger than the, the states that are today. Much and and says, okay, but we're going to use, you know, uh, what was it, popular sovereignty yes. to determine uh, whether you're going to be a slave state mm-hmm. or not. And and the 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 abolition are just beside themselves because it revokes the Missouri Compromise. Which is only, what, 35 years old at this point, yes, something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. And here you go, and, and so they say, okay, well, Kansas, you decide. Well, all the pro-slavery people are moving into Kansas and establish their own government, and then all the anti-slavery people are moving into Kansas, they start this bloody... You it's know, kind of the mini civil war. It is, and in fact, it leads to the civil yes. war. And you're right, John Brown. Yes, and going back to this idea of of the the Southerners running up for vote, they they call them border ruffians, yeah. and they, a lot of them would come from Missouri, rush up, and they would vote, and then rush back down. And it was it was a huge issue of voter fraud, hmm. which <laughs> really. <laughs> 
I thought we invented that. This year. I, I thought I, our, our generation invented right? that. Like, yeah. if you ever talk about the idea of voter fraud, and, and that's all we hear about in the last couple elections, and specifically the last elections, voter fraud, voter fraud, voter fraud. This was happening at, a, at an alarming rate yeah. in the 1800s, much more than it's ever happened in contemporary yeah. society. With, with probably a more difficult way of trying to track it and yes. trace it and find it out. So you literally have Missouri at the bottom of these new territories. All, again, these border ruffians, they're all pro-slavery. They rush up. They vote in all these elections. Then they, by violence, they try to keep the abolitionists away. They vote in slavery acts, and they rush back down to Missouri. It's a huge voter fraud. Most abolitionists at this point are, are very pacifist, right? They don't want to fight True. until John Brown. Yes. And John bloody John Brown. And his sons, I guess. I Five say. sons, right? Yeah. And, um, of course, the most iconic or the most legendary is that they take broadswords, like Scottish broadswords, mm -hmm. and they start hacking apart oh, yeah. pro-slavery men in their front yards mm -hmm. out of retribution. That doesn't end well. <laughs> no, and it's one of the things that leads to this this mini civil war, if you will, that takes place. I think it was something like by the end, there's over 200 deaths on both sides. I did not know that. And, well, and while this bloody, little mini wow. civil war is going on in bloody Kansas, you have, and, and, and you know this very well from your time, you have an absolute mess in Congress. People like beating each other with canes, pulling guns yes. on each other. Yes. I mean, this is during, he takes over at a tranquil time in American <laughs> history and absolutely creates this uproar yes. of confusion, chaos, and violence. Like you said, there was the caning on the Senate floor. And there's literally bleeding on the, I mean, like there, there's blood running down yeah. the Senate floor. And when some of his compatriots try to come and help him, you have other guys walk up and basically like just showing arms, like stay away, letting him keep beating him with a cane. Yeah. I, I mean, from your time in, in, in Congress, have you ever seen things almost get physical? Not really, no. Okay. No, and, 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 I, and, you know, I, I retired before um, uh, the, the, the Speaker's racist <laughs> two years ago or whatever, and 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 the current issue and the current issue and and yeah they'll probably the the I don't know I don't think that anybody will get to fisticuffs or violence, um, but there is also the sergeant of arms is is very strong in, okay. in, in both chambers and I think that that's going to be very effective that we won't see a repeat of what happened you know during uh, Pierce's uh, time as president at least on the House or Senate floor. That doesn't mean we won't mm. see it outside the chambers as we have just recently. Yes. But, um, you know, this guy, he also, he, he just, he, whatever he touched didn't seem to work. What was that? The, the, you know, they, they wanted to go in and try to uh, take over Cuba. Yes, and, he greatly and, wanted to annex Cuba. Yes. Yes. Because they were afraid of what would happen in Haiti with the slavery yes. uprising, that that might happen in Cuba. And, and Cuba 60 miles from Florida. Yeah, and you're going to, yeah, that's going to adversely impact the slave trade. So let's go down and get Cuba from Spain. And yes. if they don't like it. We're going to take him over. Yes. Which is Fillmore, his his predecessor, was his same diplomatic style with Japan, right? Right. He right. tries the exact same thing, but it doesn't work with Spain. It's an old monarchy. Right. Yeah. And uh, and they, they publicize it. And they stay that they, what was it, the Ostend memo? Um, uh, oh, I know what you're talking manifesto. about. Manifesto. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that comes out, and it just is a black eye for his administration because yes. it basically says if they don't agree to sell it to us, we're coming in to take it violently. And, you know, Say what you might, but it's probably good that that didn't happen. You know, um, we got issues with Cuba today, but I'm not so sure that we would have been able to handle it over the last hundred mm. some years. So, yeah, and he was he was willing to pay something like 130 million dollars, yeah. which is huge. I mean, that's more than that we paid for the Oregon territories, right? Yep. He's he's willing to pay a, a massive amount for this tiny island. And had he just simply come respectfully, like, hey, I'll pay 130 million, they probably would have sold it in a heartbeat. Yeah. Like, honestly, it was a massive amount of money. But he comes in with that just kind of power positioning, and it does not. Well, sit I, well. I think you know. 
Stephen Douglas was was very influential <laughs> on him, and 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 I think Stephen Douglas identified him as a very weak president and yes. knew that he could bowl him over, and yes. did just that with the uh, the, the the Kansas Nebraska mm-hmm. Act. But also, when you're looking at the expansion of the territory westward, and you're looking at these these railroads that want to come through there, and they start utilizing their influence on him to be able to do that. Absolutely. And, you know, here's a poor president that just was. He just didn't have control of himself, let no. alone this country. No, no, that is. I think that's a that's a good way to look at it. Is he had pretty much lack of self discipline in yes. every area of his life, and that's something we've talked a lot about with these early founding fathers, and then later presidents like Roosevelt and others. Is they they endured voluntary hardship yes. in order to build this resolute character, and Franklin Pierce did not have resolute character. No, he did not. In fact, I, I, let me just read you something that was that was printed uh, upon his death. Um, yeah, the New York Herald marked his death with the following blunt statement. The deceased was a man of something more than average ability. <laughs> he possessed, however, none of the attributes of greatness. Wow. And was more of a cautious, studious, and watchful politician than a comprehensive, far-seeing, or observant statesman. This is a former wow. president that the New York Herald is writing about. And it's probably spot on. Yes. But, you know, you've talked about greatness. And, and because of the fact that he was not a great president, no. as we said earlier in the, the broadcast, it did lead to a great president. Absolutely. And, and Absolutely. One of his best friends, actually, believe it or not, was uh, Nathaniel Hawthorne, who wrote yeah. the Scarlet Letter. They went to college together. Um, and upon his death, Hawthorne actually wrote as well, speaking about the— and, and now this is bad when this is the best thing that even your friends can say about you. And this is Hawthorne. He said, there are scores of men in the country that seem brighter than he is. Wow. Okay. Now, he went to college with him. So. Then they're friends. Right. Okay. But— he has the directing mind and will to move them about like pawns on a chessboard and turn their all their abilities to a better purpose. So basically the best thing that they could say about you is you're, you're a manipulator? Yeah. Is that literally like your best attribute they could pull out is that you're is not your that friend. bright, <laughs> but you sure can't manipulate people. And that's probably why nobody really knows anything about Franklin Pierce. Agreed. Because uh, everything he Agreed. seemed to do did not turn out well for the United States. I, I scoured looking for any successful piece of legislation that he, that he was able to accomplish. There's two things he did that are considered positive throughout his presidency. Here's the first one. This is massive. Are you ready? Yes. Under him, stamps were perforated. <laughs> so no longer are you going to tear and get your stamp. He's the first president. To perforate to, him. To, uh, and, and I find this comical that the forgotten presidents are obsessed with stamps. Remember Miller Fillmore oh, yeah. lowers the price. It's his only accomplishment. Yeah. And now his predecessor, Pierce, says, let's perforate the stamps. And here's the second great act of legislation. I don't, I don't know if you're ready for this or not. He has the Guano Island Act of 1856. And what this was, was the unclaimed islands in the, in the Pacific, like Midway and others, were now American rights on bird poop for fertilizer. Come on. And farmers love him for this. And these are his only two successful acts, really, that he will do throughout his presidency. Is he'll perforate stamps and he'll get the rights to bird crap. Wow. Oh. So... You, you and know, you wonder about today, and you wonder about today, the legacy of our modern-day presidents. Well, uh, you know, that's not a very high standard if you're looking at Franklin Pierce. I mean, yeah, if you ever run for office, just compare yourself to him, yes. and you're going to feel like a you're success. Right. You're right. You're right. I mean, if you're I right. could do better than perforated stamps and bird poop, you're right. um, then then I, I'm doing all right. So, yeah, we talked about the Kansas-Missouri uh, Act and that, I mean, the Kansas-Nebraska Act. That is such a, a an issue. Now, the Civil War, once the Civil War starts, he is no longer president, obviously. No. His health is failing. He does not care for Abraham Lincoln. He hates Lincoln. Yes. He denounces the Emancipation yes. Proclamation. Yes. 
And then what I found interesting, and I've read a lot of this before, and I, and I went back to this and read this again, he attempts to have a meeting with the five living presidents during the Civil War. So he, he reaches out, and I don't have all of them memorized, but it, it's, it's, of course, you have um, uh, the oldest would have been um, Van Buren. He reaches yeah. out to Van Buren and himself and Fillmore, and there's two others. And there's five living presidents at Zachary the time. Zachary Taylor. Yeah. Zachary Taylor. Yeah. And there's one more. And off the top of my head, I cannot think who the fifth was. But he reaches out to the five living presidents, and they want to meet together in Philadelphia and start talking about how to resolve the Civil War. Wow. Because he so distrusts the power of Lincoln. And it's actually Van Buren who was the oldest president, who Van Buren was kind of wishy-washy too. And he's like, I'll show up if everyone else does, but I'm going to be the last one to come if everyone else comes, and I won't lead it because they asked him to lead it because he was the oldest. And then later when it kind of started hitting the press more, Van Buren's like, no, I don't want him to do that because we're not going to undermine the power of Lincoln. And it raises some interesting questions. How much, how much influence should a former president have over the country? What are your thoughts on this? If you have former presidents, I can see it as both being a positive and a negative thing. I think only a resource when called upon. Okay. I think that, that that's the beauty of the succession of presidencies is that you have a new person doing their agenda that they were elected to do okay. and let them do that. But as a former president, you make yourself available as a, as a resource if called upon. Good. I don't think you should interject yourself. I don't think that that's healthy. I, I, I think that... that uh, uh, it leads to some distrust, and, and, and I think it's not healthy for the office itself. Mm. I mean, we've got to understand. You know, that was the beauty of George Washington. He showed the peaceful succession of power. Yes. And, and if we don't have that, and if we're going to constantly interject as a former president on the next administration, I think that that's not healthy. I agree. Um, and, and that's why we have votes every four years. That's one of the reasons why, honestly, I believe that the office of president was, was initially— I, the ideal was it would be an older man as much as we yes. have the – and I understand that it's taken to the, to the ridiculous level in today's time, right? Like if you can't walk across the stage, you probably shouldn't be president. I understand sure. that. But w what if you elect someone who's 35 and he has a successful term and he's loved by the country and then what, the next 40 years, he, he's he's kind of like going around. He's really the, yeah. the power of the country. and people. I mean there, there are those questions that you begin to raise. As you said, Washington, he's an older guy for the time period. He retires to his farm and kind of wants to be left alone. Um, so it's, it's an interesting thought process. We're probably one of the only countries in the world, specifically this time period, less so now, where you have leaders who are controlling the free world, and then you just go back to being a civilian. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. usually they're either dead or, or uh, exiled. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yes. uh, they're, they're, yeah, we're, we're one of the few countries that allow for yes. that. Yes, and it just and makes then, a really interesting dynamic. Yeah. So what do you do with an ex-president? You know, well, I think you put him in a university, you put him, you know, yeah. uh, you know but to— to be the, the spokesperson uh, against the the, the, the the predecessor, I don't think is healthy. It, it reminds me, I don't know if you're, if you're a Rocky fan or not, but if you remember oh, yeah. from um, uh, Rocky 3 with, uh, oh, excuse me, it's Rocky 4. And if you remember uh, Rocky's best friend, uh, who Carl Weathers played, yeah. and he talks about the fact that he's going to come Apollo out of retirement. Creed. Yes, Apollo Creed. And he makes the statement, he says, um, fighters can't retire. And he gives that whole monologue about how generals can retire, and they can, but, but fighters can't retire. And it <laughs> almost makes you think about like, this role as president. Like, how does a president retire? In, 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 a, in a respectful way that's not getting in the way of future power. And this is something Franklin Pierce did not know how to do. Like, that's true. He always thought he still kind of had the power president. He always thought of himself kind of a little higher than Lincoln. Yes, he did. And it's interesting that his own party wouldn't even consider him. Only president. Yeah, for, for uh, re-election.
He's the only nominated president who was never actually renominated, and he's party. a seating president. That's no, never happened before. That shows you the tragedy of his presidency, yes. and that's so unfortunate for him. Yes, but again, it, it ultimately leads to a great president, uh, Abraham Lincoln. Agreed. When, when we talk Four about Lincoln, um, when Lincoln is assassinated, because Pierce is still alive when, when right. Lincoln's assassinated, um, where Lincoln, where where Pierce is living, all of the houses, the the mansions. Which, by the way, when he retires from presidency, his first house, his retirement home, is burned to the ground. So yet again, it's just another, like, Pierce's life is just tragic, right? It is. I mean, he, every kid he his has. His vice president dies. Yes. And never, vice president, yes. And never even holds power. He was in Cuba when he's sworn in. And he goes back to um, Alabama. Because I think he's one of the only vice kid, presidents yeah. from Alabama, right? I mean, yeah. I, there's so many jokes. We could, I'm, I'm not going I to. I'm, I'm going to leave that alone. Um, I'm from Okeechobee. I can't make those. But <laughs> nonetheless, yeah, like you said, his vice president dies. I mean, like, how much more tragic could this guy's life be? It is a series of tragedies all throughout his life. It's Shakespearean at a Level it of is. tragedy. It, it seriously is. is. It is. Like it. It um, Okay. If, if this was written in fiction, as a critic, you'd be like, "You're overdoing this." Yeah. Right. But it, it's real. This is actually what happened. Yeah. But anyway, when, when when Lincoln is assassinated in his neighborhood, all the houses hang a giant American flag in solidarity for the death of Lincoln. And Pierce doesn't hang a flag over his house. That. A mob amasses at his door, asking why. And Pierce, who's honestly, probably half drunk at the time, yeah. stumbles out and says that his long years of service speak much louder than a flag ever could. Wow. And goes back in his house. An angry man. An angry man. Yes. Um, it was actually said that when he when he's not nominated again, so he loses the nomination of his own party, he's going out of the White House, His, his one of his final quotes, and, and I'm not sure if this is American legend or not, but I found it under multiple sources, he said, there's nothing left to do but get drunk. What a sad, 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 sad commentary. And, you know, there's not much to say about him other than, you know, it, he was a tragedy, unfortunately. He was. And his poor wife, you know, I mean, the man lost all three of his children. Um, he took the country into an area they should never have done. He expedited the Civil War. He expedited the Civil War. His, yes. his secretary of war was Jefferson Davis. You know, the future Confederacy, uh, president of the Confederacy. So the whole thing was just an absolute recipe for chaotic disaster for yes. this country yes. and, and could have been avoided. Yes. But again, I have to say, you know, I think it's without a doubt in my mind, divine intervention that, that, that brings us back because of the, 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 the brilliance of the Constitution and the process that we have for this country. And, and we bring people in that, that can correct this if we allow them to do it. It almost reminds me, we took the providential hand of God, it reminds me of the book of Judges where these, 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 these foreign powers would oppress the nation of Israel for 30, 40 years, and then God would raise up a deliverer, the Bible says, and then the land would have peace. And in some ways, Abraham Lincoln was that man that yes. God raised up, and the land ultimately had peace. Now, not during his lifetime, obviously, no. but because of his administration, because of the Emancipation Proclamation, because of the the the, the absolute uh, insightful leadership that he had. The per perseverance of his leadership. He could have, he should have given up so many times with the elections Agreed. he lost with... He even had his own tragedies. Yes. But, but and again, and I love your distinction between good and great. Mm. And uh, I don't even know if Franklin Pierce was a good man. <laughs> I assume he was. But even the New York Herald says that his greatness was not. Yeah, young. he was definitely not a great man. Yeah. So his faith, I, I think we should touch on this. They say when he was in college, he was he was pretty religious. That he would he would kneel nightly with his roommates and pray. That he would say grace over his meals. However, as he gets more and more involved in politics, he begins to be, to lose that fervor. Yeah. Because he he was a sellout. Let's just say, it. like he was one of those guys that he was so friendly that whoever he was around, he was just gonna he was just gonna go along with them. Right. This was Pierce. 
And then upon the tragedy of his kids dying, he gets almost more and more resentment with God. And his wife is kind of a, we can use some kind of a legalistic pastor's kid, and she's probably kind of laying the guilt on him. So there's this weird dynamic going on uh, in his own personal faith. He won't actually really profess he is a follower of, of Christ until he leaves the White House. And when he leaves the White House, he will actually get baptized in the Episcopal Church. I did not know that. Yeah. And then he'll make this statement. My mind has long been impressed with the fact that if our present life is not probationary, that is getting ready for, in its character, if we are not placed here as the blessed word of God teaches to prepare us for another and more exalted state of being, we are destined to waste our energies upon things that are unsubstantial, fleeting, passing away, and that cannot bring permanent peace, mm. that cannot give calm or hope. There must be an anchor for the soul. Wow. Even him. Yes. Which Even he him. could speak about that idea of uncommonness and of problems and of brokenness. And I think here at the, at the end of his life, you see him looking for something more. Yeah. As in most cases. Yeah. I, I think you happens. and I can both say, and, and, and you a, a little more than me, that the older you get, the more you begin to face your, your, own, morality, your own mortality. Oh, absolutely. And that begins to make you wonder there's got to be more than this. Absolutely. There's I felt that in Congress. Be more. Yeah, I'm sure. There's you know, that's one of the reasons I decided to get out of Congress because there was more to this, and mm. there has to be more something more fulfilling. And I, I think that that uh, once you become uh, you know in touch with that, face to face with that, that the passion really starts going. I like that. That it's not the titles anymore. It's about <laughs> what 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 can I do to do what I know I need to do because there's something greater than me, like and that. it's pushing me. And, and that is my faith. And, I like and, that. And you see Pierce as a a broken Shakespearean tragedy character. Yeah. Um, and, the, and yet again, yet again, and I know that we're at a Christian university. I, I know I'm a bivocational pastor, but at the end of his life, he says the only thing that makes any sense is faith. And he's tried it all. He's hey, had the power. I, he's I, had the power of the nation I, at his fingertips. You know, it, it, it's something that we all struggle with because yes. that's why it's called faith. Absolutely. <laughs> he's had the power of the nation at his fingertips. He's had about every bottle you can think of. Yeah. He's had every, he was good looking. He, he was athletic. He was a good, he loved to fish. I mean, everything the world at this time period said you needed to be happy. He had really popular, important friends. Yeah. You know, Hawthorne's his buddy. They're sitting around writing literature together. Um, he had a military career. I mean, yeah. can, can he was really... in the military. <laughs> <laughs> I like that distinction a lot. And at the end of his life, the only thing he can say that, that matters is faith. He said, I've got to find an anchor for my soul or all this is meaningless. Boy, that's powerful. Yes, it is. Mm. So this has been the life of Franklin Pierce, and uh, we're getting closer we're getting closer to the good ones. We're, yes, we are. We're starting to leave the forgotten presidents. Yep, one more. Can, can we leave them behind? I mean, I... <laughs> history has. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to Presidents in Politics.